This episode of the Golf Guide podcast is brought to you by golfguide.net. Golfguide.net is the place to save 20 to 70% off greens fees off courses across California, Oregon, and Nevada. Don't even need a tee time. You just go lock in at a low price, and whenever you decide to go out and play, take your certificate with you, save some money, play some great golf. That is golfguide.net. Find the golf you need. the most important thing you know I, sometimes i don't give you a heads up because i just like to see what kind of goofy ass shit i appreciate we might it. end up stumbling into but i figure it was appropriate to give you a heads up here yeah part of me appreciates the spontaneity in terms of the radio show and part of me doesn't want to say anything that would be uh bad for me do you think howard's crew ever talks under the impression that it's not being recorded yeah, not in the studio, but in other places. Okay, over the years. Okay, they yeah. they've learned though. They're, they're assuming anytime there's a microphone in front of them, somebody's got the record button going. Sometimes it's a secret recording. I know a guy on the show once recorded his wife yelling at him about <laughs> you know child care or, or housework, and you know that's that's generally illegal to do, but you can get somebody's permission after the fact. And I think that's what happened there. Uh, that's but fantastic. It was really good video. Listening to a guy's wife yell at him in private when they don't know they're being recorded, that is as real as it gets. That is fucking fantastic. Yeah. That is really, really good. Well, uh, shit, man. Welcome. Huh. Welcome back. Long time no see. We we took a little bit of a height. I mean, really, we've been on a post-Masters hangover. You know, we, the, the Masters was just so intense that we needed to take a couple of weeks to regroup. But even though it's a month, you know, after the Masters now, we've actually had four only weeks to a, marinate. Only 11 months until the next Masters. Right. Uh, four weeks did, to marinate. I, I do actually want to get your thoughts. Briefly. Briefly, yeah. But, let me just ask you first. Where be, were you for the Sunday of the Masters? Where were you watching? I was at my home watching what? the Masters yeah. completely by myself. Oh, we were By choice. You know, I, I remember we were texting. We were texting back and forth, but I was watching it by myself. By choice, because I didn't want anybody else disrupting my viewing Man. of one of the most insane collapses of my adult life. That was that was heartbreaking. So it right. was it was horrible. It wasn't so much the first shot in the water. No, anybody and, can do that. And, here, okay, here, here's and it was a bad shot. Don't get me wrong. It was a bad it, shot, but it's a hard hole. Ken Venturi says you should be shooting for the center of every green, and then. And yeah. who knows? Maybe he was, and it was just so bad. No, that he wasn't. Seemed... He was shooting for the flag. So my question to you is, and I think this is what everybody's asking, and still a month later, I don't actually have a really good answer. Why drop it at 80 yards out? Why not drop it at the creek and give yourself a tiny little 25-yard chip shot to the pin? Why drop it 80 yards out, and then after you put it in the drink, do it again? Like it's, I'm just, it's I, I still don't know the rationale for is that a great distance? I mean, you you yourself been telling me that golf strategy book. The closer to the hole you are, yeah, that, the better exactly. your odds are. And yes. so, what, what 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 the fuck is the point of putting it eighty yards out? Right. I think that, generally speaking, of course, it would be better to drop it as close to the creek as possible. It but just, it just seems like common sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the whole location it's cut a little bit closer to the front, so you could say that spin was a factor, but on the Augusta greens, you're not going to get a lot of spin anyway, so no. you're you're just going to want to hit that shot anywhere on the green to give yourself a chance at making bogey 
and calling it a day. So I don't think that was a factor. It could be that there's a downslope up there that I've never played Augusta, so I, 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 yeah, I couldn't tell you. Neither have I. <laughs> but I would imagine that the uh, fairway there slopes down toward the creek, and so to drop on a downslope, you might not want to do that. I, okay. I might rather drop if back that is the case I, on a flat I, I get spot. That. But Spieth. He doesn't want to have a flop shot off a tight lie. He'd rather have more of a full swing with a lob wedge, maybe. Well, well uh, you know, honestly, I'm trying to come up with reasons why I think you would do that, and I'm struggling. I would. I, I might rather have a an 80 yard shot from a a flat lie than a shot off some weird downslope. I might. All I know is that after he put that second ball on the drink, I was thinking to myself. Well, fuck, now he's just going to just thin it into the fucking shit. Right. Well, he did. And he puts it in the bunker. He put it in the bunker. It's like, well, duh. I mean, the, the dude is just melting in front yeah. of how you know how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Well, of that's course the, he's going to do that. Well, this is the, the big thing in the entire sequence. The shot from the drop was an abomination. It was a shot that no golfer would be happy with in the world that's a shot you and me are pissed about of course very pissed it about. was it was hideously bad our handicap is a good 20 strokes higher than jordan speeds and the and only, we would be visibly physically upset and with i a think shot like that and i think it was really the only shot where jordan speeth choked in the tournament i, I don't the, i don't blame him for the first one no. I, I, I mean the first one's no the first it you know. stinks but it's excusable because he was aggressive and he just missed it by a little tiny bit. It was a bad shot. Happens. He missed it by a pretty significant amount. But you're allowed to make mental mistakes. That's oh, fuck not, me, right? That's not choking. But but <laughs> but leaving it 25 yards short on a an 80 yard shot. Yeah, that's is grotesque. And to say the least. And you saw the the close-ups and the uh side shots he he took you know he, he took like three feet of sod off with that shot he it was the fattest chunk ever hit on augusta grounds and the only explanation for it is that he was completely reeling mentally yeah. from the previous shot i think he had given up shots the holes before to will it. Right, because well, he, he bogeyed 10 and 11. He bogeyed he? 10 and 11. Right. So he was feeling the heat, and he thought that he this is... He needed to make a serious move and stick it close and make birdie on 12. You, you think that's what that's he was probably, Yeah. I think he got... You know how it is when you play golf, and you know that you're not supposed to go for a flag, but then somehow or other, you kind of get magnetically drawn toward it. You set up your, to the ball, you're looking down, it's like, I got this. I'll, I'll put it close. You're not... You, you don't, but like, you, you or you're not like, even thinking about it. You're just like, I'm gonna aim over here, and then you kind of turn your body <laughs> over a little bit, and you don't even think about it, and then you're aiming right at the flag. Uh, so he misses the shot, and then you know, fine. But I think he probably was trying to birdie that hole, which is not a good idea. He has and to, right? It, it's the. But, I, mean, I I can't think of another explanation. Why that would happen, other than he was just was trying to throw a dart right at the pin, and give himself a tap in for birdie. I think that that was probably and his ambition, and so when it when it didn't work out, he was probably mentally uh, not in his own head. 
he was distant, gone, aloof, totally to fucking with, crazy. To be honest with you, I can't believe he made an up and down from the bunker. Yeah, well, it was that, a good putt. It was a great putt. The fact that he made up and down, I mean, I, I was, I mean, he made what, seven? Made quad seven? Mm-hmm. I thought it was easy oh, yeah. eight. Oh, sure. I, I, I don't even know how he made seven after that second shot. It was a nice, yeah, yeah. He had to have been just so stunned and upset with losing three shots in rapid succession that he was just not thinking about the other shot, about the the shot, the third shot from the drop. And that it's hard to describe, but it, it it's a pure choke. It it just is. And it's not solely responsible for him losing. He dropped shots just by missing things right. and this and that. So it's not necessarily appropriate to say that he choked away the Masters. I think that he recovered decently well and played okay coming in. Well, I'll, I'll throw this to you then. So after he makes seven on 12, at that point, he's how many strokes behind Danny Willett? No, he was, I think he still had the lead at that point. I, I don't think he had the lead anymore. Really? I think he was a, at least two strokes back behind Willett after that quad. After he play, after he finishes 12, did you still think he had a chance to win the match? Did you still think he was the favorite to win? I mean, did you, did you think he was going to pull? You know, the- it's, I, I can't remember quite where things stood at that point. I feel like a month afterwards would give me a little more clarity on how I feel about this, but I'm only just I'm just more confused by how, everything that went down. I definitely thought he still had a chance because I remember watching the tournament and thinking that Spieth still had a chance when he um, – Came up to the tee on 16. And then he fucking missed that putt. That's right. God damn it. So he still stood an outside chance when he was teeing off on 16. You know, however, things worked out going up until that point. So he missed the putt. And Willett, I think, made a birdie on 16. Uh, yeah. So Great birdie on 16. Yeah. So <sighs> To go along with the three aces that day. Yeah, that was cool. That was some crazy, crazy stuff. Well, how about the bank shot ace? How great was that? Wait, who hit the bank shot ace? I think it was Usti's. Was it Usti? Usti's so badass. Guy is badass. I I mean, if I could carry any dude's bag on the tour, I might have to choose Usti. (laughs) He's just, he just seems so cool and so fun. Oh, yeah. Anyway. But, you know, we all have to admit that it was a disappointment that Willett won. I mean, not that he isn't a deserving player and he played great and he, he played like a total stud on Sunday, but... He's kind of a dick, and not even a dick in an endearing way. He's a really real kind of, he's an asshole. He's so kind of his, a cock boy. And his brother was dicking around Spieth on Twitter, on Twitter the whole day. And, yeah, you know, most it, Americans don't think of English people as being like that. You know, these caustic country <laughs> English people, which is really, I mean, it's such an idiotic version of England that Americans have in their head, and when they see real people, <laughs> they can't they can't fathom it. But, you know, he, he's kind of like the Patrick Reed of English golf yeah. to a degree. Yeah, great, great point. It, I, I saw a, a couple things on social media afterwards where somebody was taking a serious, like, a serious shot at Jordan Spieth, and Danny Willett was, like, retweeting it. Yeah. And throwing it back at me, and like, oh. Oh, so much shade. <laughs> the the English. So, so much unbelievable shade. The English are dark. Like if you ever see the uh the question time in the House of Commons, they'll park the Prime Minister up and they just give and it they, to him. And they treat him like an asshole. 
Uh, Which I kind of wish they had in our d- government. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish they, I wish you could put major political leaders on blast to be like, listen, fuckface. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That, in that perspective, I, I love British Parliament in that regard. <laughs> However, this this leads me to the, the last part of it. So Jordan Spieth loses a Masters, blows it probably, at least especially in our adult life, one of the biggest just collapses in, in any major, you know, probably in the last decade. What are your thoughts watching Jordan Spieth put the fucking jacket on Danny Willett and Butler Cabin? Oh, Did you feel bad for Jordan Spieth? Did you get some sort of weird, sick, twisted satisfaction out of how messed up it was? Did you feel bad for Jordan Spieth? Were you happy for Danny Willett? Maybe a combination of the both? Like It it was just so awkward, but (laughs) fun, but uncomfortable that I I honestly didn't know how to feel. I felt bad for Jordan Spieth because he's so young. He's like a... He's like your... You're, he's like your little he's brother. He's three years younger than my little sister. Right. He's and like, I'm not very old. Yeah, he's like your little brother's friend or something. And then, you know, he's forced to act like a grown-up in a moment of extreme pain. And he kind of fucked up in that regard, but you can't blame him in the slightest. No, uh, not at all. You, you like his he, caddy telling the cameras to get out of their faces as they're coming off 18 green? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I, I like the I like where he almost knocked over the chair in Butler Cabin. Because he whoa, was... Whoa. Yeah, well, and it was... He was... Uh, I liked the whole thing because it shows you how much they care and how much it affects them to lose like that. I, it, I fell for the it guy, makes, man. Well, you know, this is why we love golf, let's be honest. If golf never had these horrible collapses, it wouldn't be the sport that it is. No, definitely not. Golf is a pain-based sport where people almost never win. And therefore, losing a chance to win, even a tournament that you are the defending champion of, and you're a darling, and you're 22 years old, and you've got a million opportunities ahead of you, even a loss under those circumstances with the number of strokes ahead that he was, which I think was six, um, might have even been seven. Maybe not seven. Maybe five. How many strokes he lost? How many strokes was he ahead at the at the greatest point in the round? Six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. So e- even if every other factor is making it not a tragedy, you know, it's not like Tom Watson losing the British Open when he's 60 and you know he's never going to get a chance like that again. Well, I mean, the thing you think of is, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I wasn't old enough to remember it, but everybody tells me that Greg Norman's collapse of the Masters is probably one of the worst ones ever. Oh, you know what? I, I'm i younger than you, and I remember that because I was watching, and yeah. I was a huge Greg Norman fan, and that was tough. Who, did, who didn't love the shark? And, yeah, he was. it was even sadder with him, although it was more gradual. Both uh, both losses to an Englishman. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it goes both ways. Norman... Had one major, so did Spieth. Norman was older, which I think Spieth automatically... got two majors. So did Norman. Okay, okay, sorry. Two opens, but it 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 automatically makes it sadder when they're older because it's like an old yeah. man failing. But <laughs> you know, it's depressing. It's like the old man in the sea. That book is so great because of that very reason. But uh, he had a six-stroke lead, but it was at the start of the round, and then he kind of bled it away gradually. Mm-hmm. Spieth gave it up in kind of fiery fashion on Amen Corner. He did, and the the most memorable and 
therefore worst place to blow up too. <laughs> Man, right on the cherry par three of Amen Corner. Just <laughs> golf is a hell of a game because the guy who I I think it's fair to say did kind of choke away the tournament, at least in part. He did it in a tournament that he was the defending champion of. That makes it worse. You, you figure that the pressure would be less because you've won it before, and yet it got him, and there's no way around it that no professional golfer would have hit that third shot on 12 if his brain wasn't, uh, you know, being... Thinking about being, having to put the jacket on somebody else. Being deep fried. <laughs> yeah, being deep fried in a KFC fryer... Uh, and he just wasn't in his own head. And, and that's why golf is so fascinating. That's why we love watching golf tournaments. We love to speculate about what the golfers are going through and what they're thinking. And you are just so fucked when you're in those positions. And that's why none of us envy those guys when they're having to do that. And we respect them so much when they can pull it off. No fucking kidding, man. I, could, I was shaking over three footers today. <laughs> <laughs> Men's club? <laughs> Uh, BV Thursday Night League. Oh, but Thursday Night League. Thursday Night League, yes. Ah. I lost. Hardcore to a guy with a 25 handicap tonight because I had to give him like 12 strokes for nine holes. It's tough to come back from 12 strokes. <laughs> You're losing by 12 right off the bat. <laughs> really sucked. It was, it was just not fun. Um, oh, it, it was fun because it's golf, but it was not fun. <laughs> if that makes any sense. All right, so Danny, thoughts on Danny Willett as a, as a mm. major champion? Well, I mean, pretty he's, indifferent. He's a really good player. Yeah, he totally deserves it. He played a really good Sunday. What he's, exactly do you think was up with the dude taking his jacket off on the 18 green? Just trying to flex, like trying to flex a little bit. Oh, I didn't even notice that. So he's wearing a white, a pretty <laughs> lame white sweater that made him look very soft the whole round. And then on the 18th, oh, on oh, the 18th green, he takes oh. his white sweater off nice. so he can just start showing off those big guns that he's got. Yeah, and he had a green shirt on, right? He had a green shirt on because I'm sure he realized, like, yeah, I'm about to win the fucking Masters. I want to make sure that everybody sees me in my green shirt. Did you pay any notice to that? Did you? When you no, were watching, I, didn't, I didn't. Okay, because when I was watching, I was like, why is this fucking fool taking his sweater off on the 18th green? He's been wearing yeah. that white that white sweater all day. Why, why does he got to take it off now? It seems if, a little silly. If I were in that position, he, he was playing so well the whole day, I would think, like, I'm not going to take my sweater off because my swing right? with it's, sweater... Okay. Is going so well. Once it doesn't matter how you're swinging, I'm going to take the sweater off because I've been hot. I've been forcing myself to be hot all that day. Is, that is a to maintain my swing and feel. Legitimately nice excuse it for doing be. what he did. He it doesn't just, have it just seem weird. He doesn't have guns enough to show off his guns. He couldn't be thinking that. British people never like to show skin. Well, Unless that's because, it's that's in a bar. Pigment, that's because their pigmentation is just so embarrassing. Unless it's in a pale. bar real late at night. <laughs> and it's a the woman. The lights are very dark. It's not that hot. <laughs> uh, they, then they love it. But no, the British are, are mostly a covering up your skin based yeah, culture. Right. Yeah, but that, I mean, if that's the case, then it's even more f strange that the moment that he knew that every camera would be taking pictures of him, he's like, I'm going to take this off, show off my, my no, tricep no, tattoo, no, no. my green shirt. You know, it's. He must have been so uncomfortable all day that he... It was probably pretty hot. I don't know. <laughs> this is a ridiculous conversation. I, had, I just thought it was a little silly that he he took his jacket off right before his final putt on the 18th green. 
just because well, he knew that that was going to be the picture that would go on a bunch of magazine covers. Like, I think I want to be in a T-shirt rather than a sweater. I think our friend John had a little money on Danny Willett. Did he not? He probably. I mean, Danny Willett at fifty to one. He was a popular. In, he was popular. Yeah. He was bandied we about. Talk, we talked about it. Did we really? Yeah, we did. I mean, it, it. He was a popular pick among a lot of golf fantasy people. Yeah, I mean, as far as like mid-range guys go, there wasn't right. a lot of reasons not to put and, money on Danny Willett. And I think it it makes me think of that in general. A decent theory for, made like let's say you're pressed for time, or say you're not pressed for time, mm-hmm. that a good way to go about finding people to bet on. As stupid as the world golf ranking system is, find guys who are high in the world golf ranking who have odds that seem disproportionately, disproportionately high. high. Yeah, and that I've done that in the past, and it didn't work out exactly. But it, it more often than not, it seems like it's going to pay dividends. Though it, it does, it seems like yeah. you know the Mark Leishmans of this world, and you know Danny Willett and brandon grace like those are guys who are high in the world rankings all the time and who are chronically undervalued by the odds makers and they're not necessarily going to win for you but if you're going to look at guys who are great players and have good odds good payoff obviously Willett made a ton of people money and people had yeah. Willett back in february for 100 120 to 1 and back then he was in the top twenty-five in the world, which is really they. I think I saw a couple of slips like that. I mean, why wouldn't you just put five dollars on that? They, that just the, seems crazy. That's what people did. I think I saw somebody put a hundred on that. Good for them. They made cash. Good for them. Not as good as the Leicester City bet, but pretty good. Dude, I mean, obviously it's not golf, but that is some crazy shit. That was cool. One of my my best friend from the the semester that I studied abroad back in two thousand eight is from Leicester, and I, I wrote him. I was like. What the fuck just happened? He's like, mate, nobody understands. Nobody yeah. understands what just happened. It's the craziest shit that's ever happened in the history of fucking. It is the history of the Premier League. I'm like, yeah, of course it is. Five thousand, five thousand to one. Those are the exact same odds that Kim Kardashian has to win the presidency in 2020. Right. That's right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Anyway, if we're sticking on the program, what? There's not too much to talk about concerning the program. I haven't been paying too much attention. Well, I, I've literally been on like a Masters championship hang- this week. The Masters, but it, it's, who knows? Honestly, I, I have almost no thoughts because I think TPC Sawgrass is kind of a bullshit golf course. Yeah, yeah, it's annoying. I think Pete Dye is pretty cool, but I think that golf course is just silly. It is. It, it, is it on my bucket list? No. You know, it's no, funny. it's not. No, no. <laughs> In the Pete Dye group of golf courses, it's actually one of the more reasonable ones but right? it's still annoying yeah exactly yeah i don't i i really don't have that many thoughts on the players i'm actually going to talk a little bit if we're just for right now keeping on the pro this part of the, jason day shot 63 today though did he really shoot 63 today yeah but the, the scores were real low there were a bunch of seven and six unders so oh. guys were all just manhandling the golf course well i will say this the, this is a a separate podcast that we're recording here just concerning the pro game recently um and it's not necessarily related to any tournament specifically, but there's a couple off-the-course things I wanted to just get your quick opinion on. The first being, after Jordan Spieth blows the Masters, he goes on this wildly homoerotic vacation with Ricky Fowler and Smiley Kaufman where they're out playing golf with their shirts off and uh, doing all kinds of stuff. Were there what? pictures of that? Oh, yeah. I missed that whole thing. <laughs> what? 
it uh, uh hashtag s something 2k 16 yet just a bunch of dudes basically drinking beers and playing golf with their shirts off and oiling each other up oh man other than it being a what trip that we certainly would want to be on yeah <laughs> right but you know, everybody thinks you're gay, by the way. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, you're not. Everybody thinks we're gay together. <laughs> everybody listens to this podcast is like, those dudes literally turn the microphones you're, you're, off you're, and you're, just you're, go at it. Yeah. Right in, the, right in the studio. Your, your <laughs> discussion of that golf trip made you seem quite homo, <laughs> even though it's not the case. I have a beautiful, beautiful woman who I love very, very much. And not he to say... He didn't even make that up. Just men are attractive. Women are... I mean, I, 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 this, <laughs> Women are. I mean, I, I just love humans in general. The gender doesn't even matter to me. Uh oh, that's that's the wrong thing to say. Make say of, you love women. Make of that what you will. All right, I love women. Anyway, <laughs> so what are the are these on Instagram? These pictures? They're on Instagram, but I mean, you've just never seen that before. Like a bunch I'm of like, tour players going to all going out together, right playing now. golf with their shirts off and swim trunks, and mm. I, sounds lovely. Th- does that seem? A l- I mean, it's okay. So it happened like a week and a half after Jordan Spieth blows a Masters. Well, they were saying during the Masters, they were they were talking about the Smiley Kaufman Jordan Spieth trip that was coming up because Smiley Kaufman uh, was playing really well during the okay. Masters. So, right, every you know Tim Rosefort and those kind of guys were saying, oh, you know, there are such good friends. They're going on vacation next week, and Smiley Kaufman, of course, was threatening to take the lead and all that kind of. I gotta stuff. say, there's bald, and then there's Tim Rosaforte bald. <laughs> I mean that that man's head is shiny. Yeah, very shiny. What what's his deal? I mean, he's disturbing. I, I actually don't mind Tim Rosa Forte too much. It's the he's a brand, professional, but the Brandel Chamley whatever guy guy's irritating. He's just kind of a prick. He's a smart. He's very smart. He knows, thing, knows, he knows, knows more about, about golf. Granted, he knows more about golf than I'll probably ever know, and that I'm I'm not denying that at all. But he just is. He's smug as all hell. He's just kind of a he just every guy in the golf industry kind who, of a dick. You know, at that level, is golf is they're smarmy. I, I shouldn't say yeah. St- Golf. I shouldn't say every, but golf is an, is a world and an industry made up of a lot of smug and smarmy types. People who really feel a little more important than they probably are. Right. A lot of rich kids who never were second guessed by anybody, and you have a feeling that some of these journalists are those people too. Yeah, for but sure. Not all of them, but I'm a journalist. Shambly, you know, he tries hard, and he. Uh, he, he does he actually. Makes he does provide content. a lot of good commentary, it, and there's good, a lot of things he points out that I wouldn't know otherwise. So yeah, I, yeah. He, he's definitely not a bad commentator and analyst because he fancies himself a golf swing expert, though. Yeah, Bernard Chambly, how's your golf swing? <laughs> I'd like to see you go out and play golf. I'd like to see you go play Amen Corner with however many thousands of people watching you with a two shot lead in the Masters or whatever it is. Let's see what you do. Those Golf Channel pros are at their most valuable when they're talking about the experience of being in those competitions when sure. they get beyond that and they talk about a bunch of other crap you, uh, you think that it looks like just, it's an extension it's kinda, a little, yeah, yeah it's this yeah, dilettante yeah, yeah. dilettante you know move that they have going but honestly i've almost not i'm not trying to say that it's not a good publication because a lot of the writers in there are top notch but i've almost completely stopped reading golf digest because i fucking hate the swing tip shit that it's filled with because a person's golf swing is completely unique to that person. There's honestly very few general rules that apply to everybody in their golf swing. And to be like, oh, this person, he's doing this wrong and this wrong. It's like, maybe if it was your golf swing, that would be the case. But like, they have their own swing coach. They have their own way of doing things. I mean, do you ever watch Ryan Moore's golf swing? Right. 
I mean, it, I, try not, I try not to. You try not, but I mean, it's like, dude, everybody's got a different thing. It's like, there's no exact rule for how the golf swing should work. It, everybody, everybody's different. And to, to be a guy who is just so full of fucking cock and balls and be like, oh yeah, that's wrong. He's messing up this. And it's like, maybe, yeah. how, how do you know? Right. I mean, are you a swing coach? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, the the golf swing is a tool yeah. for getting the face to the ball right. in certain circumstances with a certain level of repeatability. That's all that it is. Exactly right. So there's a right way for the face to hit the ball. Everybody knows that. Sure. But there's a million different ways to get it there. And so long as you can do it on a consistent basis without hurting yourself, then that's a good golf swing. <laughs> yeah, and th- totally agree. And so, yeah, th- we have a lot of uh, kind of soothsayers and uh, well, well tea said. leaf reader, tarot card, <laughs> palm reader, golf swing analysts. Uh-huh. And I hate to say it, but because sometimes it's annoying to, to idolize technology, but the track man type analysis and the measures of impact there's really no substitute for that hmm. in terms of a except for you know obviously scores sure but uh in terms of measuring how effective and quality a golf swing is uh you park a guy in front of that machine and you know tell him to tweak this that and the other thing but i have a hard time believing that uh these uh, impressionistic interpretations of the golf swing are much more valuable than the air in which they are Absolutely. sent into. Absolutely. So while we're staking on the, on the uh, professional game, there's one last thing I want to bring up with you and discuss a little bit. And I'm only bringing this up because you and I are as big of Tiger fanboys that exist. I mean, everybody who's in their mid to late 20s loves Tiger Woods. But if you're like me, you get a little bit perturbed when people start bringing up and comparing Jordan Spieth to a young Tiger Woods because that's just not fair. It just seems crazy to me to be comparing Jordan Spieth to Tiger Woods already. And there was an article in USA Today that came out like a week ago. And uh, the title of the article is, Anonymous PGA Tour golfer, quote, it's an embarrassment and an insult to compare Jordan Spieth to Tiger Woods. And basically, his exact quote, I'm going to read it to you verbatim, and then I just want to hear your thoughts on it, okay? Because this is actually going to be before I bring up the next little thing concerning Tiger. Here's a quote. He said of Tiger via ESPN to Michael Collins. He was the needle. He's not around anymore. We don't know if he's coming around again. We hope he will, but we can't count on that. Now, you take Jordan Spieth's, you take the Jason Days, you take these young guns, they're still not Tiger. Nobody's ever going to be Tiger. We know that. A lot of people don't know that, but they're not going to be. He's right. Yeah, sounds right to He's me. He's fucking right. Sounds right to me. And the fact that I keep on hearing people comparing Jordan Spence, like, nah. no, no. He's not changing the game the way the Tiger did. You can compare Jordan Spieth to Tiger so long as your outcome is that Tiger's way better. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's fine to compare them. Uh, 
there's a, a thing in sports actually that statisticians have studied and they've mostly studied it with regard to the Olympic sports like track, mm-hmm. um, various track events that because of the greater resources and focus and superior analysis and sophistication that has gone into sports over the years. Now there's way more money in all sports than there used to be. So much money. That the performance continues to get better. Um, In sports where the stats aren't relative, the performance continues to improve, like uh, the 100-meter dash. Sure. The times keep shrinking. Um, But at a a certain point, it levels off. Um, But... It, it stands to reason that the margins that Tiger Woods was beating Fields by and the, the difference between his scoring average and the tour scoring average, that those might never be replicated, not only because Tiger Woods is so good and perhaps the greatest golfer ever, but because golf and everything uh, in the world of golf has gotten more sophisticated in the same way that other sports have gotten more sophisticated that it's just intrinsically deeper and harder to go that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think many people would argue that the players on the tour in 2016 are better than the players on the tour in the year 2000. Uh, you know, in any way you want to measure it. The way, the way that I think about it is, you know, is Jordan Spieth right now better than Tiger Woods was at his peak? <laughs> <laughs> That's not even a question. It's absurd. It's absurd. But here's the thing. That somebody might be able to debate. But the thing that they can't debate is how good is Jordan Spieth compared to his peers playing right now compared to what Tiger was at his peak compared to his peers? Because it's, people can be Jordan Spieth. To be perfectly honest with you, you just if Tiger Woods was playing well, you did not beat him. No, I mean he. It just he, it, it just did not happen. No, his winning percentage, his winning streaks, his winning margin, his scoring average versus the other players' scoring average. It, you know, n- nobody has come close to touching that. Right. Nevertheless, it could very well be that in the near future or the distant future, I'm it's it's certain over the long term that there will be a player who will be better than Tiger Woods One because day. golf has only been around for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, just it, a it's a couple in, hundred years. Inep- that's all. It's inevitable. And to the sa- it's the same as baseball to a degree. Mm-hmm. You can't really compare generations against each other, but there will be a guy maybe who never wins 14 majors because it's harder to beat yeah. other players who are better. Let's get your a little closer to the mic, but there we go. Yeah, there you go. Who might never win 14 majors. Uh, or the number of tournaments that Tiger wins, but mm-hmm. could have beaten Tiger Woods head to head. Perhaps, yeah, because certain, certain, yeah. he's a superior player. But then all players have risen. Well, this is what I wanted because so since it's been a couple, you know, about a month since we got a chance to sit down together, I, I did want to ask you because this kind of transitions into the last thing I'll bring up, and that is, did you have a chance to read either of the two really in-depth articles or stories that were written about Tiger and his why, you know? What caused his demise? Did you have a chance to read either the SI or the ESPN articles? 
I I definitely did read one of those. I don't remember which one it was, but I, I they were very similar. I mean, it was almost like the same, almost the same thing. Right. I think it might have been the ESPN one that I read. Um, the one I I I, I skimmed to the ESPN one because I think that was like eight thousand words, whereas Alan Shipnuck's like uh, cover story for Sports Illustrated was only six thousand words. Yeah, I think I they're both lengthy, but I, I think the kind of one they cover the same thing. And what I just kind of want to get your thoughts on Tiger and this whole revelation about how his obsession with the Navy SEALs and how training to be a SEAL that's how he hurt his knee, and that's probably the cause of all of the injuries that ended up basically sidelining him. And it, it just it's all really fascinating and confusing. And I I just need to bounce some of this off somebody else who loves Tiger as much as I do. That's been the Hank Haney theory that's been out there for years. It was in his like, book, right? He had the book, and he definitely talked about that. But um, I, for some reason, it well, seems like there wasn't enough light shed on it until these articles came out. We were like, I oh, think shit. people paid attention to it back then. But Admittedly, I didn't. <laughs> but, you know, well, the Hank Haney book caught a lot of negative flack. The golf industry didn't like that book. Right, because everybody but, loves Tiger, and they wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And it was a little bit – it broke – Kind of like attorney-client privilege. They didn't like the idea of a coach yeah. going and revealing confidences about the player. And that I totally understand that. But uh, I think that it makes sense. The The Tiger Woods-Earl Woods relationship is obviously the crux of his identity and his life. It's the whole reason he's a golfer. Uh, I didn't realize Earl was such a womanizer. He's just such an yeah. unattractive fellow that I, I would never have guessed that he would just been just... Just shanking poon left and right. I mean, it's just <laughs> wow. <laughs> what <laughs> harpoon? Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. But that was part of the article. I don't know what, whether we read the same one or the or different ones. Again, but I think they're both pretty similar. I mean, they both cover a lot of the same stuff. But the idea kind of is that, among other things, that when Tiger was a teenager, he came to know that his father was more of a womanizer than he would have wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. And he was very upset at that, and that in almost every regard, their relationship was completely close and friendly. It was still a father-son relationship, I'm sure. sure you know, Earl you know, was, was controlling in many ways, but Tiger didn't exactly object to it. The only thing he really objected to was the womanizing, what he felt was... I don't think it was objecting to the treatment of the women, but the treatment of his mother and sort of the position that put him in. Mm -hmm. And that's a common thing. Uh, And it it is fascinating psychologically and and also not uncommon that that the kinds of things that you are so upset about uh, when you're that age become the things that you end up doing in your life. Uh, for, and who knows the motivations for that? Maybe it's, it, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about psychology to tell you, but that was the biggest rift between Tiger and his father when they were teenagers, according to these articles, was not that Earl overworked him or took too much credit. Dad, it, why are you slaying so much pussy? That was what he said. And uh, he, you know, the, this is one of the stories I read. He was crying to a girlfriend back in when he was 19 or 18 about the the subject and he was devastated by it and lo and behold you know not not 10 years later he's you know america's foremost 
knee, uh, philanderer. knee deep in the same uh, same swimming pool of poon. Yeah, and and the speculation, I guess, is that you know Earl died, and he had never had a chance to really address it and, and talk uh, about yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's very complicated. Who can even know? But well, I think what I saw obviously is like, it's a, all a lot of the womanizing started after his dad passed away. That, yeah, and it was going on before that, but it did deepen. Right. And uh, you know, the psychology—it's too complicated to get into. But back into the Navy SEAL stuff. Earl was obviously um, a military He's a Green Beret, right? Yes. And Tiger learned how to play golf and grew up on a Navy course Mm -hmm. in Southern California. and Beautiful Cypress, California. Cypress. And he was hanging out with a lot of old Navy guys and this, that, and the other thing. And the article... And I had never heard the explanation for it quite as well as the article put it, but the speculation is that... uh, Tiger always missed that kind of camaraderie that came with the whole military scene. Sure. Especially and when you grow up in it. You, you become kind of accustomed to it, and it seems kind of second nature. And then yeah. to not have that, I, I could see how you'd have some withdrawals from that, certainly. For sure. And he probably felt somehow that it would be a way to impress his father. Certainly golf always was, but you know, he had already reached the peak of golf. Uh, by the time his he dad was literally died. the so, man. So, what other ways were there to impress his father? Maybe womanizing as a way to impress his father in in an abstract psychological way. Sure. And maybe being a soldier would be another way. He wanted maybe to be everything that his father was, but way way better. And he certainly was the world's greatest golfer. That was achieved. He was a, more of a womanizer than his father. Uh, that was achieved, and. He wanted to be not just a Green Beret or anything. He wanted. He was with the Navy SEALs. He was doing urban combat simulations. He was, and of course, the the soldiers there thought that he was kind of uh, being a, a you know a, an armchair soldier, and I'm sure that was true. But yeah, but he, it's not so in much his mind. He, he wanted to be the real deal. He, 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 I I don't doubt that he would have done it. The if Tiger Woods wasn't a good golfer, he would have gone into the try to be a Navy SEAL. The only thing that ever stopped him from doing it is that he had so many other things in his life that were... He was literally just the best golfer in the world, and it would have been kind of hard to walk away from that. Yeah, and maybe he would have failed, but he would have tried. Sure. I don't think he was scared of it. And then he Mm. was, you know, in some kind of crazy fucking Afghani house simulation in the Mojave Desert, and he gets kicked in the knee. I don't have a hard time believing that that's... A major cause of the injuries. Oh yeah, and it has to be right. What, what other explanation? I mean, well, people are like, there's oh, a bunch he puts of so much stress on his knees when he swings a golf club. It's like maybe. Yeah. Well, Tiger did a lot of running and weightlifting, so those right. things can fuck you up. And he also has been rumored, and not substantiated in any way, but rumored to have, you know, met with doctors who have been known to prescribe various performance enhancing treatments now sure. no that's never been substantiated and uh it's not to say that that would have caused an injury even if that had been the case but there are various things out there that could have contributed to injuries yeah i don't know it's it's all really really fascinating and it's uh i, I don't think anybody other than tiger woods will ever really know exactly he, he might not even know he, yeah good point when these these father-son psychologies are complicated it's one of the all these family relationships are are very complicated psychologically, but that one is it's there's a, a spirit of competition. It's the whole Oedipal thing. Yeah, 
that comes up and seems like Tiger has been competing with that memory for a long time. Um, he is registered for the U.S. Open. Yeah, he's not going to play. You don't think he's going to play? No. Even though he registered? At Oakmont. <laughs> he's going to get shit kicked in if he goes. <laughs> Tiger used to say that he would only play a tournament if he thought he could win it. And I thought that was a really good attitude. I think that should apply to every golfer. Yeah. Except guys who need to make a living. But I'm talking right. about like guys who are <laughs> like golfer emeritus. You shouldn't play if you don't think you can win. So you don't think you can win? No. <laughs> no. I don't either. And on that note, Kaysen, thank you. This has been really wonderful. Talk a little thank pro you. golf. Thank this you. has been so great. Lovely. All of you, thank you so much. Tune in next week. Love you all. Goodbye. <laughs>